Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's word leads us to the eye, for the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that he is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Welcome to all, especially our new listeners, uh, greetings from the eye of the storm. Tonight we continue our heading for Calm Harbor, our port of call, centered at the very eye of the storm. For all following my broadcast each Sunday evening, you may have noticed that last week's study was a rerun. Computer glitches turning to monster problems is the reason. The Lord willing, we shall have more successful sailing tonight. This evening we pick up our study in Proverbs, beginning with chapter 28. All who would like may join us in their Bibles as we begin. Again, chapter 28, verses 1 through 4. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. For the transgression of a land, many are the princes thereof. But by a man of understanding and knowledge, the state thereof shall be prolonged. A poor man that oppresses the poor is like a sweeping rain which leaves no food. They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. Verse 1 exposes the wicked and their lack of courage under fire. Conversely, the righteous shine in times of terror, the line within coming out. Verse 2, said another way, reveals where there are many sinners, the number of overseers increases. But with understanding and knowledge, even a, a, a single man, a land prospers. Verse 3 reveals a poor man oppressing his equals, creates even more poverty. Forsakers of the law, verse 4 declares, actually praise the wicked, while those who support the law fight the wicked. Verses 5 through 8. Evil men understand not judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. Better is the poor that walks in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoso keeps the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shames his father. He that by usury and unjust gain increases his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. Evil men, verse 5 reveals, do not understand judgment, but they that seek the Lord understand all things. One more reminder of Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, in which we are taught to lean not to our own understanding, but rather to acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways, and he shall direct our paths. Verse 6 affords a glimpse into the kingdom of God, allowing that a poor man walking in uprightness is better than a rich man perverse in his ways. This temporary life is merely a shadow of eternity, where in God's kingdom there shall be no want. 
Notice the parallel instructions and advice as we go along. Verse 7 mirrors greatly the previous verse while adding detail, noting that whoever keeps the law is a wise son, but he that is the companion of fools shames his father. Verse 8 then compounds the wisdom, warning that he that by usury, known today as lawn sharking, increases his substance, shall only gather it for him that will pity the poor. Verses 9 through 12. And he that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Whoso causes the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that has understanding searches him out. When righteous men do rejoice, there's great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. While verse 9 gets to the nitty-gritty, observing that he who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. No rest for the wicked. Troublemakers are exposed once again in verse 10, as we learn that whoso causes the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit, but the upright shall have good things in possession. One could even say shall continue to have good things in possession. The rich man, verse 11 exposes, is wise in his own conceit, while the poor that has understanding searches him out. A reminder of Jesus' warning in the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 and 32. Verse 12 chronicles the reality of this life, witnessing when righteous men rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. The psalmist revealing true promotion comes only from God. Lift not up your horn on high, speak not with a stiff neck, for promotion comes neither from the east nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Psalm 75, verses 5 through 7. Verses 13 through 16. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that fears always, but he that hardens his heart shall fall into mischief. As a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is the wicked ruler over the poor people. The prince that wants understanding is also a great oppressor. But he that hates covetousness shall prolong his days. A popular practice being preached throughout the body of Christ today and gaining momentum is the teaching that once one is saved, confession and repentance are no longer necessary. Some even go so far as to say not only are these practices irrelevant, but that they somehow are even harmful to growing in the Lord. Hogwash, an important category in theology, is the classifying of hogwash. James refutes this error handily. 
confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Note we are to confess our faults one to another. Paul concurs, for example, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Using anger is one sin of all. Common sense dictates one leave no stone unturned. And the encouragement for daily repentance begins with Jesus praying this day, forgive us our debts as we forgive our others. Speaking to the Father. Note there are sins that James finishes pointing out which must be taken to God. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Further, the Apostle John takes repentance to its nth degree. If any man sees his brother's sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. 1 John 5.16 Time prohibits examining this most telling passage. Uh, a sermon in itself amply supported through Scripture. Uh, those interested can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Those seeking God's prosperity take heed to verse 13 once again. He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. God's mercy is new every morning. Verse 14 surprises, declaring happy is the man that always fears, who stands in awe, a constant state that can only be fortified by God himself, revealing perpetual fear as one startled by sudden alarm. Conversely, finishing the verse noting, those who harden their hearts shall fall into mischief. Verse 15 exposes the wicked ruler who roars as a lion, acting like a ranging bear. Verse 16 notes, the prince that lacks understanding falls to oppression, but he that hates coveting shall prolong his days. Verses 17 through 20. A man that does violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. <clears throat> Let no man stay him. Whoso walks uprightly shall be saved, but he that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. He that tills his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that follows after vain persons shall have poverty enough. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. A common theme continues in these verses, good is rewarded, evil is punished. A theme that runs throughout Proverbs from beginning to end. It almost appears redundant until one remembers the depths of truth in each statement. Without Jesus, those in the Old Testament had to battle without his evidentiary life, sacrifice, and resurrection. But clear paths through the Word of God were the light of the way to a good life and a promise of life with God. Verse 17 exemplifies these truths regarding the man that does violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit, warning all to not stop him in his descent. Verse 18 emphasizes the good over evil, proclaiming all who walk uprightly shall be saved. 
while all perverse in their ways shall fall at once. Note that in this verse, as well as throughout Proverbs, often the presentation is to the individual, such as he, stressing personal responsibilities and personal rewards and punishments. A general call is given here to stress all who are included in the warnings. Reward again is given in verse 19 to those who till their land, providing plenty of bread, while all who follow vain persons reap poverty. Verse 20 of verse, a faithful man abounds with blessings, but he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. In modern parlance, there is no such thing as a fast buck being untainted. Verse 21 through 24, to have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor, and he that flattereth with the tongue. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother, and saith it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. Verse 21 explains why respect of persons is not good, because for a piece of bread that man will transgress. Here the passage refers to honoring people simply because they have something to give in return. Paul reaffirms this perspective in Romans declaring, for there is no respect of persons with God. The simple divine equation for this statement is that God knows all have sinned, none are without sin, regardless of their station in life. Verse 22 doubles down on verse 20, again cautioning that he that hastes to be rich has an evil eye, not considering that poverty shall come upon him. Verse 23 recognizes, he that rebukes a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flatters with a tongue. A reminder of the psalmist's warning in Psalm 12:3, the Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. The reader finds in verse 24, whoso robs his father or his mother, saying it is not a sin, is also the companion of a destroyer. Conversely, we cannot forget God's command to honor your father and mother. And now our final four verses of Proverbs chapter 28, verses 25 through 28. He that is of a proud heart stirs up strath, stirs up strife, excuse me. But he that puts his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walks wisely, he shall be delivered. He that gives unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hides his eyes uh, shall have many a curse. When the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Verse 25 is a reminder of easily uh, how easily uh, pride creates problems, beginning with those of, uh, thus smitten with self-importance. Conversely, he that puts his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. In Solomon's day, a corpulent man was known to be someone who was obviously prospering. We can insert the word prosper then in exchange for the, for the corpulence. We're tempted to use the word healthy, but in today's word, even that term can be ill-used and misplaced. Verse 26, warning that trusting in our own heart makes us foolish, 
reminds quickly of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in trusting in the Lord, leaning not to our own understanding, acknowledging him in all our ways, thus walking wisely from whence we are delivered from evil, with God directing our paths. Verse 22, he gives to the poor, verse 27, I'm sorry, he that gives to the poor shall not lack, reminds again Jesus' admonition, giving is more blessed than receiving. Conversely, warning that he who hides his eyes from the poor shall have many a curse. Chapter 28 of Proverbs closes somberly, advising that when the wicked rise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. We've entered a day in which the wicked are rising all around us. Avoiding evil is much like hiding from it. Jesus prophesied as many before him that entering the final days of life would see an increase in evil, evil in uh, proliferation. Yet our hope in God refreshes us, knowing that the day is fast approaching when the evil shall truly perish for eternity, and so the righteous shall increase. Until next Sunday evening, the Lord willing, we shall then pick up our study in Proverbs at chapter 29. And now to our Parsha, Parsha Akadaimot, after the death. This portion focuses on the manner of cleansing of for sin under the law. Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law, has paid the sin debt for the world, sanctifying and saving eternally all who shall believe in him. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 28. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Inheritance, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people, according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in heaven should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God 
for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Importantly, once more, our repeamor, the rapture, is alluded to again. Verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, Verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. As we come to the end of our sail on the stormy seas of this world, I'd like to, uh, myself, uh, sometimes I do pray, and I certainly will pray this evening as God leads. Uh, but I'm asking you, the listeners, to pray. I'm asking for direction. We're coming up to the end of uh, Proverbs. We'll be going on through, the Lord willing, uh, on through to Proverbs 31, which is a special blessing to me, which I'll deal with uh, when we get there. But at the same time, um, I'm praying about where God would have me go next, if he would have me continue this study in the eye of the storm. Uh, I'm seeing people referencing the storm uh, just everywhere, in songs, uh, in books, <laughs> and, and everywhere. Uh, certainly, I'm not the first one, and, and I won't be the last. And it's good to recognize the storms. We have to do that. Uh, but at the same time, um, again, I'm always seeking God's leading about what should be next. Uh, I've got some new opportunities opening up. Uh, you've heard this song and dance before from many people following the Lord and may have even experienced it in yourselves uh, in certain times. Certainly those of you that have, uh, I, I really seek prayer from in that regard uh, because you do understand that. Those of you who do not understand may be, have a special place with God in reference to being able to, to go to him in innocence and in joy and love of Jesus uh, to just seek, Lord, uh, your hand on this man, uh, wherever you're going to lead him. Uh, and, and that prayer will be every bit as important and good uh, as any that that are offered with the knowing. Um, we see that referenced all the time uh, throughout Scripture. Uh, there was a man uh, in one uh, instance in the Old Testament uh, who offered a prayer. Nehemiah uh, prayed. Uh, the king was uh, calling him, and he was afraid to share what he was thinking. He was, had some worries and concerns, and it says he uh, one pastor put it, he shot an arrow to heaven, he prayed to God, and then he began to speak with the king about his problems. Very much in the spirit uh, of that, I am sharing this with you, uh, my beloved audience, those who have tuned in and, and listened and, and benefited and enjoyed and studied right along with me. Um, so I'm going to be asking special prayer the next few weeks as we approach these last chapters. Uh, let's see, we've got uh, 29 coming, uh, 30, 
and then of course 31. So that'll give us three weeks, the Lord willing, uh, and uh, to pray about it and to seek God's leadership as to what direction um, I should go to. Um, for those of you that may be listening for the first time, uh, certainly especially those who are not sure about your salvation, um, let me, that's actually where I began uh, my walk with Jesus when I discovered uh, in 1 John 5.13, uh, the Apostle John was writing, and he was speaking of many wonderful things. Uh, but he, he, he got to this place where he felt led by the Holy Spirit in 1 John 5.13 to write these words, These things are written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life, even you who believe on his name, and that you will believe on his name. I was astounded to read those words uh, because I had been raised and taught, and there are many denominations uh, that teach this, uh, that you cannot know for certain if you're going to heaven, that you just have to trust God and hope that you make it. Um, that's not that's not the Bible. John himself refutes it in that verse when he says, these things are written that you may know, present tense, that you have right now, present tense, eternal life. Even you who believe on his name, that's the key. You've got to believe in Jesus. You're not, it's not, not everybody's going. It's those that believe in Jesus. That's the reason he was nailed to the cross, because that's what he said. And people, they didn't like it. Uh, uh, especially religious people didn't like it. But that's the truth. Believe in Jesus. Call on him. It says, call on the Lord and you will be saved. If you call, Jesus will answer. He has promised this over and over again in his word, and you can believe in him. And so I, I pray especially for you this evening uh, who do not know him. Everyone else that knows him, I'm going to meet them in heaven. Hey, I heard you. <laughs> hey, man, how's it going? You know, that'll be kind of neat. But to those of you who do not know him, I want you to meet me on the streets of glory. I want you to say, hey, I prayed with you. I prayed to Jesus. I didn't pray to you. I prayed to Jesus. And I said, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner, just like the tax man prayed. And Jesus said the tax man went to his house justified before God. So there we are. I want you to be in prayer about that. We're going to be looking uh, more to these things. In the meantime, anyone looking for further comfort, certainly you're welcome to Google uh, TL. Farley books. Uh, I've got the three books out. When Now Becomes Too Late was uh, actually being in publication on the morning of 9-11. That's true testimony. Um, and then there's Distant Reaches, which tells a little bit about my early life becoming a Christian. And then, of course, the fifth edition of Blast Off or PMR on the imminence of the rapture. And that'll keep you busy looking up verses. But anyway, I love you. Take care. And I bid to everybody, Maranatha. And that's the wrap for this evening, folks. May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts and we meet in the air, or at supper, here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm 
This is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.